Hey, welcome to the table. My name is Khalil. My name is Sean. And this is a podcast just all about following Jesus in the midst of uncertainty and change. And really, I mean, for the first time, right? We're all living life for the first time. And there's so much depth to the Christian faith and different elements and aspects of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And that is what we are exploring and talking about on this podcast. And today we have a special Coco host with us, Jeff Gowling. What's up, man? What's going on, hey, man? You're a youth pastor, right? Yes, I'm a youth pastor in uh, Florence, Oregon. It's on the the coast, about a just an hour west of Eugene. And you have a wife? Yeah, I've been married eight years, and we have a little girl, and she's three, and she's awesome. <laughs> awesome, man. Super glad to have you. Jeff's going to be on a couple different episodes with us, which is super exciting. Uh, we also have another guest with us, right, Sean? That's correct. Uh, We're excited to get to know Jeff Gowling over the next uh, few episodes and excited to get to know Dr. Garland Owensby, who is all things youth and student ministries at Southwestern Assembly of God University. And uh, one thing you will find out within the first mi- five minutes of talking to Garland is that he loves the church. He loves discipleship. Um, he loves utilizing all facets and aspects of life to point people to Jesus and to draw people near to him. And uh, that is something that we found out really quick in talking to him. We're excited to have him uh, with us and to talk about humor and the everyday followers. So uh, thanks for being with us, Garland. We really appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe one thing that everybody who's listening needs to know about you. All right. Hey, thanks for inviting me to the table. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, Good to have you. So one thing everybody needs to know, I have three sons. Beautiful. Okay. And that may be like, why are you telling us you have three sons? Okay. Because uh, for all you artsy people out there, I ended up having three sons, two of which are identical twins, six foot three athletes. And so I'm just saying, man, there's hope. There's hope for your genetics. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, seriously, there was there was one time uh, they were playing basketball, and when it was done, I was like, you guys did so well. And they're like, no, we didn't. I said, isn't it great that you have an artsy dad? Because I don't know if you do something wrong. <laughs> I was excited You're for all you. winners for me. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. All over. <laughs> uh, that's awesome, man. So tell us a little bit about your family and where, um, where are you from and – uh, I uh, I was born in Delaware, which was the first state, and uh, uh, so I grew up in the Northeast and uh, in Pennsylvania. Actually, was born or uh, grew up in the mushroom capital of the world. So whoa. it's the place that makes the most mushrooms. That's a, a, that's a <laughs> yeah, yeah, claim to fame. That's a trophy <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've been I've been married for twenty eight years to the same woman. Awesome. So that's uh, that's been good. Mm-hmm. Um. Kind of the funny thing is because my initials are G-O, go, and uh, her initials are T-O, Tiffany, Tiffany Owens, we go to, so that it sounds really spiritual. <laughs> and uh, like I said, we've got three sons. Uh, my oldest is uh, I graduated from Texas A&M and is a software engineer. And then I've got another son at Texas Tech and another son at Texas A&M. So. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I'm a USC fan. But anyway, uh we're as you can tell already. We're we're uh, excited to laugh together, and uh, laughter has been said. It's been said as is uh, is medicine, and so uh, in a culture that seems to be filled with 
rage and hostility and confusion kind of around every corner. What ways have you seen humor break in and bring about healing and unity uh, within our now, culture? Now, first of all, you say you're a USC fan? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm... Now, do they charge to be a fan or is that just to get in? <laughs> See, my problem here is that Sean wants to ask about unity and the first thing he did was bring division. I did. So, <laughs> so we're, we're, that is, we just want to reiterate that we're all learners here and yeah, this uh, is going to be a great conversation for this, everyone. This, already, this conversation is utilizing humor to bring unity. Is it? Already. No. <laughs> it's true. That's okay. awesome. There, there are like so many. Here's here's my deal with humor. If it's America's Funniest Home Video, if it's a funny TikTok, if it's a funny Instagram, I don't care if the person is male or female. I don't mm-hmm. care what race they are. I'm not asking about, about their economics. I just want to see something funny. Mm-hmm. I just want to hear a funny joke. And I think in that way, like, I don't, I don't look at Chris Rock and go, He's a funny black comedian. Mm. I just go, he's funny, right? right? My, my wife will sit there and watch Steve Harvey family feud videos over and over <laughs> and over again. And she's not like, you know, he's funny for a black man. <laughs> right, right. It's not that. It's just funny is funny, mm. right? And now we're not ignoring the fact that uh, there, are, there are things that are cultural that one person will find funny that someone else won't. But duh, I mean, that's that was happening with Jesus in the parables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he was he was telling stuff that, you know, you know, he said something to the Pharisees and everybody else is like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. and we just don't get it because it's it's not our time period. So, yeah, we can see where humor can can bring people together. Uh, now, now, forgive me, I'm not Catholic, but I'm the Pope, uh, Pope Francis, mm-hmm. he said, when we laugh with each other and not at each other, God's love is present in a special way. That's good. And I think that's the thing. You know, if you've ever been on a camp or a retreat and some junior hire passes gas in the van, right. as awful as that is, everybody starts laughing and all of a sudden it's a combined experience. You have laughed and a year later somebody will go, hey, hey, make him sit by a window <laughs> and everybody will laugh again. So I, I think... There's nothing like humor that just kind of takes a, an enormous problem or a situation and kind of just messes it up and makes mm-hmm. us smile. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Jeff, you, you said you've been married eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Jeff, if you're, if you're having an argument with your wife and uh, she's really mad at you, just start making art noises under your <laughs> arm. You know, Right? It'll I never learned that it. skill. I, 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 I have to, you know, I have to develop it. There's, you, there's YouTube videos. Like in a Mickey Mouse voice, you know? <laughs> but, I, you That's know, good. when we talk about unity in secular standpoints, man, Key and Peele, mm-hmm. yeah. those guys, their stuff is so good. But here's, here's the difference between that and some of the things that people think are funny that are divisive. Key and Peele aren't coming from a place of arrogance when they're when they're doing videos on issues that are affecting all of us it's coming from a place of love mm. and it or at least it seems to be or a place of reconciliation like look how absurd this is let can't we come back to some reason and some logic about it mm-hmm. rather than like you'll see some saturday night live skits about politics and you're like yeah we can tell you hate republicans we can just tell mm-hmm. you know with Key and Peele, it's, no, we hate this issue, or we hate this injustice. 
And I think we can all agree on that. And that's what brings the unity. When we're not making fun of people, but we're attacking an issue or we're just enjoying life. Yeah, uh, that's, that's that's so good. Good. Um, I want to ask a little bit, expanding on that, <clears throat> the idea of like key and peel being able, you know, sometimes we say comedians get away with talking about stuff that the rest of us can't. Right. Yeah. But you mentioned that their tone maybe is a little bit different or the heart behind it is different. I just want to ask, how do you how do you think that that comedic tone is different than maybe the every every everyday average citizen in our tone in the humor that's taken so differently? It's uh, a good question. One, they're a big part of their identity is that they are comedic. Mm-hmm. Right. Another part is if you follow them in other places, they, they speak out about other issues as well. So it's not like they're just joining the bandwagon. Uh, this has been a part of who they are. Uh, so I think that's really important. Another thing to consider is way back in medieval times, the king employed a jester. And the role of the jester was the ability to say what everybody else was thinking but to do so with impunity. So mm-hmm. the, the king wasn't going to chop his head off because that was his role. And I think that's part of the role of comedians. Um, Billy, Billy Wilder, uh, a playwright, he said, if you're going to tell people the truth, be funny or they'll kill you or they'll kill you. Mm. <laughs> you know, so I, I think we, we've, even with our students, being careful about joking with students before you know their story Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, knowing what the sensitivities are in the room. It's one of the reasons that people like I get on people's cases. I'm like, you know, don't say oh bummer and killery and agent orange when talking about politicians because you don't know who's in your audience. Mm-hmm. And there right. are bigger things in this world than politicians who are who come and go. Mm. That's good. That's really good. I don't want to skip past. You mentioned a little bit the parables. Um, yeah. how there's humor in that. What would be some of the uh, humor inside the scriptures that is your favorite? Like the, the maybe maybe to the everyday follower, we may not even get it or we know it. That you can we don't notice that you might yeah. want to kind of just elevate and bring up, bring to light some of those funnier passages. Have you? Um, there's a movie called It Happened One Night. It won the Oscar, I think, in like. 1939 or something like that as the best comedy you ever get a chance watch it it's not funny (laughs) okay and the reason it's not funny is because it's 71 years ago and part of the humor is he's talking about beating this woman Hmm. interesting okay so humor changes even like seinfeld okay when part of what made seinfeld uh so popular was that it was a type of humor that they hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. It, it was observational humor. You have people that are storytellers. You have people that are one-liners. Back, my parents' generation, they loved Henny Youngman. You know? mm-hmm. They loved Milton Berle, who could just come and do these one-liner, one-liner, one-liner. Okay, so that being said, mm-hmm. that being said, uh, with Scripture, part of the issue is people are watching a movie from 1939 without the context of 1939. So people are reading a story from Jesus without understanding the humor of the first century. The humor of the first century was based in wordplay. 
So kind of think it, okay, in the same way where Jesus says, hey, Peter, and he goes, Petros, Petra. Mm -hmm. It's wordplay, mm -hmm. but we don't catch it because we're, we're living 2,000 years later. So Jesus will say things like, hey, you're looking at the speck in your brother's eye while you have, you have the plank in your own eye. And we interpret that or we read it as Jesus is just ticked off and he is angry and he's dialed it up to 11. <laughs> <laughs> and he is just blasting these people. Right. Well, is it possible? I mean, could you see Jesus like taking his arm, putting it on the side of his head and he goes, and you got this plank and he swings around and hits <laughs> Judas in the head, you know, and other disciples are ducking. And we go, students. well, no, because Jesus was serious. Well, <laughs> There are 700 examples in the New Testament of wordplay. Mm -hmm. 700 times that Jesus is funny. He's using irony. He's using metaphors. He's using this wordplay. But again, I think as Pentecostals, we read the prophets and we read the words of Jesus as if the bottom line is neutral emotion or it's rage. Mm. You know, we never think of Jesus having these light moments or being funny in how he speaks to people. So, yeah, um, one of the problems, too, is if you just do a word search for the word laugh. But, yeah, you're going to find laughter in not so good terms like derision or uh, making fun of people, you know. Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, oh, the child is just asleep. And they laughed. Well, it's not that laughter is always a bad thing. It's understanding the first century idea of what laughter is or what was funny to them. Yeah. So let me let me just kind of shift gears here a little bit and just ask how do we as as Christians learn to lighten up? <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> well, and I would say in that do do we need to? Yeah. Do we need to lighten up? Ooh. That's good. Okay. <laughs> you have permission to speak. <laughs> so Sean, your wife is upset at you. Sometimes and you look at her and you tell her, calm down. <laughs> okay. okay. So we've got people that are very upset. And I think if we look at them going, Hey, lighten up they're mm -hmm. they're not going to go along. So I think some of it is the way that we lead the, the youth pastor that was at the church before me, the students had TP'd his house and they said, when he, pulled up he he went he raged you know and went off on the kids well my wife and i we had been there a year we bought a, a house for the first time we pull up there's tp there but the students are there there's tp they put forks and knives in the you know the yeah. plastic ones in in the lawn yeah. and i knowing the story i just looked at my wife and i said whatever you do smile it's just paper it's just plastic mm. you know and that was such a turning point because the students were testing how is this person going to respond when we just want to have fun and for them it was an act of love so yeah you can't tell people to lighten up but you can lead in a way that says i don't take myself that seriously and i can laugh at my own faults and i can poke fun at myself so garland what you're talking i'll put words in your mouth you're welcome is Thank we're you. talking about <laughs> we're talking about flipping we're not even married. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about flipping the narrative here. So what does it look like to flip the narrative, to flip the story from one of my first initial reaction is rage 
is offense, is insecurity or arrogance to one of, you know what, I can I can absorb this in a way that is there's a better response. Um, yeah. And I know I'm talking in really general terms, but I love that you're talking about the story here. And I think we need I, to drill onto it. Well, you know, one of, how do I put this? Okay, so I, I go to counseling and uh, my counselor was like, hey, how are you doing with the whole COVID thing? And I just said, oh, I'm fine. She says, you're not worried? You're not stressed out? You're not anxious about it? I'm like, no. She goes, why? I said, well, it's kind of like when I get to the airport, things are out of my control. And I know that I'm not the only one being affected by this. So when I take the narrative away from my own ego and say, you know what? This is happening to lots of other people. It kind of diminishes that that rage or that personal offense inside of me. Mm-hmm. Is that is that making sense that mm-hmm. um, I realize I'm not the only one being inconvenienced and it's not going to do any good for me to rage at the the gate attendant. And this other guy raging at her, it's not doing him any good. And so I've got a choice in this. So whether it's that someone offends me or that something's happened to me or I'm embarrassed. Listen, my father-in-law, three times, three times in the classroom, his fly was down. Okay. Unfortunate. The first time was unintentional. But um, (laughs) I mean, you just go. Okay, raise your hand if your zipper has never been down in public. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, <laughs> no one told it me. It happens to all of us. All of us have had some experience, and so you know, you, you have a choice in life to walk in anger and rage, which lead to unforgiveness, mm-hmm. or to walk in this way that says, "You know what? Life, <laughs> life is short, mm-hmm. and all this pain." All this embarrassment, it's going to be over. And so we we can walk in joy, not because life uh, is is difficult, but because we know life will not always be difficult. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah. the hope of that's the hope of Christianity, or yeah. the, at least that perspective, too. That's a really good thought there. Yeah, I think you you. I hope people listening would maybe realize that on on one level right now you're touching on identity, right? Like where our, where I our identity comes from affects what kind of humor we can receive and what we can't. Mm-hmm. So you you mentioned the word ego. Uh, I think at one point you mentioned having you know responding with outrage sometimes can be thinking we have to defend ourselves, right? If, and and mm-hmm. really, if our identity, <laughs> you at the airport you're realizing that this isn't a personal attack against you. This yes. is just the world. And in some ways, in a, in a self-centric culture, um, we can forget to get outside of ourselves a little bit. And one of the things I've noticed in my own life that's helped with my humor is learning that I don't need to defend myself. My identity is secure in Jesus. The words other people say towards me or about me don't actually affect who I am, right, in, in the in the eyes of God and hopefully in my own eyes. So um, something about finding our identity in God even allows us to maybe soften up and receive more humor in the world because we don't have to fight so much. One of the great things about camp 
is youth pastors and leaders, adult leaders coming and saying, I'll make a fool of myself this week. Yeah. You know, you want to do a goofy skit, you know, you want to pie me in the face, whatever. And what we're saying to people is what happens to me doesn't define me. And my reaction to these things are a reflection of who I think I am in Christ. And so if my only hope is in my self-made identity, then I, yeah, I'm going to be in trouble and I'm going to be offended by everything. And I'm going to get mad because I'm the only one defending me. Mm. But if I'm in Christ, man, you can make fun of me, you know, Mm. roast me, whatever. I mean, I start classes sometimes and I just go, Hey, uh, I'm bald and overweight. I know it. You can't hurt me there. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So, right. That's really good about that, the identity piece there, because I think that in our current culture, there are so many, well, and this isn't new. There are so many things for us to identify as whether it's a political stance or political party. And it's easy for us even to identify as a, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a poor person or I'm, I'm poor, I'm rich. I'm, you know, this, uh, this ethnicity, that ethnicity, it's easy for us to identify in anything and everything other than Jesus. And so, uh, oftentimes if you poke that identity in any way, and I'm not saying that there's inju- not injustice. Obviously, there's lots of injustice, and there's things that we where we cross the line with humor, uh, which we can get mm-hmm. to here in a second. But if if that if those things are our identity, at some point it will crumble under the weight of our expectations. Yeah. Well, I, th- yeah. I think I would even say with that identity piece, I don't remember if we've talked about this prior, if it's come up, but. Uh, whatever your identity is in at some point will trigger a fight or flight reflex when mm-hmm. that thing is is put on the spot. So if it's if it's politics, if your identity is in a political party, when someone comes against that, there there's a fight that has to take place, right? Because your identity is there. If that's mm-hmm. lost, who are you? It can come. It can happen with with jobs. It can happen with social status. With with really anything. Yeah. So I think that that Jesus piece is is crucial. It, here's the cool thing. If your identity is wrapped up in something earthly, then you'll end up defending things that are indefensible mm-hmm. just for the sake of preserving your identity. So right. True. And I mean, we're seeing this everywhere. I mean, this is Democrat Republican. Cause I mean, the joke is kind of like, okay, if a Democrat said the sky is blue, the Republicans would say, no, it's not, it's green. And mm-hmm. you know, and then if a, uh, Republican said the sky is green. They go, no, it's not. It, or grass is green. No, it's not. Right. And it's like disagreeing just to disagree only says my identity with this group is so much more important than the unity in Christ. Yeah. That's so okay. how do we navigate a sensitive culture with our humor? It, it, you know, how, how do you do that as someone that's funny, obviously, because some of us maybe aren't just naturally funny like <laughs> like that. So yeah. It's an art, right? Mm-hmm. I, you may not end up being Rembrandt, but you can draw a stick figure. Hmm. You know, so I, I always tell people uh, with comedians, it's about finding your voice. Hmm. And I think preachers have to find their voice and all of us find our voice. People don't go to my Facebook page to read my political views. They, they just don't, right? And it's, it's not something I do. And that's okay. That's, that's my identity. So I think finding your voice you know, I, I met a guy this morning, single guy, and he starts telling me jokes. And I'm like, these are dad jokes. He goes, yeah. I said, do you have any kids? And he goes, no. I said, well, you're getting prepared for it. And <laughs> if you're a youth pastor and you go, 
all I do is dad jokes. <laughs> That's great. That's great. You don't, you don't have to be anybody but that. My, my former student is an awesome storyteller. I'm not really that good of a storyteller when it comes to humor. I'm, I'm an absurdist. You know, I, I think of things and I go, okay, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, whatever, Hmm. but every, everybody's just a little bit different. So I think one of the things is working on it. I will tell you this, anybody that speaks publicly, the most dangerous thing you can do is improv. Just don't do it. If you, cause you're going to say it wrong. It's going to come out the wrong way in this culture. It's going to be taken the wrong way. So I, you know, if you ever saw one of my sermons, I literally have joke and I write it out so that I know exactly what I want to say and how I want to say it. So I think finding your voice, not trying to be somebody that you're not, you know, because again, you don't go to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday and ask for a Whopper, (laughs) right? Just find it. So yeah, practice your humor, being intentional about where you say things and when you say things. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt very comfortable making observations about COVID, never about people, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of them were things about myself, mm-hmm. you know, about why it's great that I'm wearing a mask or, you know, things like that, but kind of reading the room too. Mm-hmm. It, like for me right now, I, it doesn't matter if I find something funny or not, I'm not going to say anything that's remotely humorous about current race relations. Mm. I'm just not going to do it. Situational okay. awareness. Yeah. It, it, Cause it's either going to be misunderstood, misinterpreted or met with resistance. Mm. And so I'm like, you know what? My voice doesn't, doesn't need to be heard right now. Chris Rock needs to be heard. Key and Peele need to be heard, you know? Mm. So there are plenty of people who's, who can have that voice because that's what they're known for when it comes to humor. That's, that's not my place, but I think thinking about the assumptions you make about the people in your audience and, you know, I know pastors, this is just tough because you make an assumption that everybody in the audience agrees with your perspective or your point of view, Mm -hmm. but that may not be true. And in the same way we're standing in front of students and we don't know what their struggles with sexuality and their struggles with gender identity are. And you say something flippant and offhand that's you think is funny, but it's it's really offensive and has mm. put a, a speed bump between them and hearing the gospel. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's important. There is, man, I'm trying to figure out what to focus on because there were a couple different things that were in there. I'll just take a glance at the fact that you said. In, there are scenarios where you don't need to be heard right right then or you're not the voice for that. I think that speaks really culturally where we all think we have something to say or we need to speak up. And what I just hear in that and is there are some times where we don't need to. or yeah. And I just, I don't know, I just wanted to touch on that because it's very easy to think we all need to or have something to say all the time. Well, and Khalil, part of, part of this is if you were in my classroom, Mm-hmm. We would be talking about these issues, but I have a relationship there. Mm-hmm. So my Facebook, my social media isn't the place where I present myself talking about deep issues. I present myself there in a funny manner. Everything's funny. Everything's about my family. That's it. Yeah. Why? Well, because I feel like a lot of these, I feel like the solution to a lot of our big problems uh, 
aren't going to be solved by me making a post. It's going to be by sitting at the table there. I I worked in the name of the podcast. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That's awesome. But I mean, seriously, is it, isn't this, I mean, you know, they talk about levels of intimacy and communication and number one is face to face. Yeah. 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 Right. And the worst is social media, but how are we all getting our opinion out there? So I think the, the face to face conversations, regardless of the topic, that's the way to go. Well, and you're right. And it just blows up. And, you know, the whole reason why we named this podcast, Welcome to the Table, is because it is the art of listening and receiving and responding in a manner that is healthy and constructive, even in the midst of disagreement when we or, or in the midst of misunderstanding. When I'm misunderstood at the table face-to-face with people who have different sides or viewpoints on things, I can I can work through those disagreements and those misunderstandings in a way that draws me closer to Jesus mm. and draws yeah. me closer to unity. And at the table, we can laugh. Mm-hmm. We can mm-hmm. laugh and not be, you know, and you, you get, you know, every once in a while you get the person that would, you know, you slam your hands on the table and you leave. That's, that's not the norm though. In one right. sense, it's, even in a culture where the climate is very shaky and uh, there's there's a lot of hostility. It's still you sp- you're speaking to that that table metaphor, and I I just love that. Mm. While you were talking, I was thinking about just the whether or not our humor is constructive as well. And I thought about the scripture that says, you know, life and death is in the tongue, or you yeah. know, using our words for building up, not not tearing people down. And before this, before we were recording. You were kind of downloading a little bit about shock humor, and I was wondering if you would yeah. be willing to to speak to that a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, the, the mistake some people make is like if you were to walk up to a preacher, and go, "Hey, you know that joke you told? It was offensive," and the response is, "Hey, it got a laugh." Mm-hmm. Well, that's saying you know what the the ends justify the means, mm-hmm. and the the thing I'll tell you is clapping is voluntary, laughter is involuntary. Okay, so if you say something that's terrible and awful and evil, I have to go, huh, and intentionally clap. But like right now, if I were to say something incredibly offensive, like if I told you a dirty joke right now, probably you go, ha, because laughter is shock, right? It's that involuntary reaction. That's why when somebody goes, oh, let me tell you something funny. Okay, well, you're. Your condition. Okay, I, I need to laugh at the end of this because you told me it was funny. Yeah. So we just got to be careful thinking that being uh, saying something shocking or saying something vulgar just because it, it gets a laugh uh, means that it's funny. And it doesn't. Right. So remember, we, we all laugh at things we shouldn't laugh at. That's That's involuntary laughter. It's what you applaud. That's mm. where we get in, into our danger area. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's just watching, watching what. Now, I, w- I will say this, Khalil. I don't know if you're married or not, but um, I'm not. You're not. I'm not. So okay. if you have a young lady that uh, you're in one of your classes or yes. whatever, thank that you for putting this public. Feeling called to the northwest. Sorry, feels called to the northwest. She feels called this this area. Perhaps you can invite her to the table. <laughs> 
It's a whole other podcast episode. Well, I was just shocked. I made the assumption. I looked at you, Khalil, and I was like, wow. I appreciate that. This is awesome. Carlin, I appreciate that. But I'm not available for you right now, so. Right now, wait, wait, scratch that, cut that out. But later, (laughs) the later, maybe. That's what, whenever somebody goes, can I get your advice on being single in ministry? I'm like, hey, take a look. Did you think this was going to (laughs) last? I've never been single in ministry. Um, So, oh yeah. So this is where, this is where your spouse or just having a trusted friend can help. I remember sometimes, and I get to the, like, I'm speaking in front of students and I just, pause and my wife looks at me and her eyes get wide and she's like no (laughs) she knows i just thought of something funny and she's like no so this is where like having somebody trusted and there are times that i've told my wife a joke and i'll go hey listen i want to tell you this you can never repeat it and i'll tell her she goes oh yeah that's clever Mm -hmm. and and what it is is it's it's i find the process of how i got there clever but it's not something I agree with. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost like, you know, if you're listening to satanic metal, you can go, that guy's a good guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to embrace the music. You know, it's kind of like people love Robin Williams, but if you've ever heard his stand-up, oh, his man. stand-up was filthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, raunchy. But his process, you could appreciate. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah, and, certainly. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So having a spouse or somebody that you trust that you could – kind of vent and go, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. They go, mm, no, don't say it that way. Or, you know, right. Hey, never say that. Right. Yeah. So as we kind of draw to a conclusion a little bit, we've talked about a lot of different facets of laughter and humor and everything. Um, but that 17 year old, that, that, that young adult, that, um, that single mom or single dad or the, 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 the small business owner, everyday follower of Jesus, how can we bring hope and healing via laughter or via humor through, through humor, especially in our current climate? At the core of laughter is joy. Hmm. Okay. At the core of godly laughter is joy because we're told we don't rejoice in suffering. We don't rejoice when our enemy is hurt. Hmm. And so what I can do is I can say, all right, in my business, in that transaction, as I'm a cashier or I'm just buying something, how can I bring some joy to this person? Hmm. You know, there's sometimes I was at Target exchanging something and I, I just looked at the cashier and I just said, hey, are people treating you well? People being nice to you? And if she says no, I go, you know, this is my opportunity to be nice, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the joy, the smile, the attitude that we bring is the beginning of laughter. Because if people realize we're people that bring joy to our home, to our business, to our church, you know, that's the witness that says, I can relax around you and know that whatever you say, your intentions are coming out of a love for me, not out of a hatred toward me or my position. You know, it, so I just I want people after they've hung out with me to feel better about who they are, you know, and and have no thinking that, man, Garland's going to talk about me behind my back or his real opinion of me is this. So I think for all of us every day, baseline brings some joy. 
Mm. And isn't that bringing the kingdom to the world? Yeah. See, uh, here's a C.S. Lewis quote: uh, "The serious, the serious business of heaven is joy." So good. That's good. That's great. That's really well. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation, and I think timely and needed too. Absolutely. So uh, speaking about timely and needed, I think you need to have a conversation with a certain woman. (laughs) Did are you a fortune cookie? No. That felt like something I would open up. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Well, this has been really great. I think it's super timely as well. Um, As we're wrapping up, Jeff Gowing, what do the listeners need to do? Right now, they need to hit the subscribe button and and give a five-star review. Come on. These guys are working hard. This is great content. Just, you know, put a smile on their faces. Like, bring start, joy. Bring joy. Like, yeah, start, start the process there. It's the beginning the of fu- laughter. The funniest thing you could do is give us a five-star review right now. <laughs> it would crack us up. So uh, as we're wrapping up, just I, I, I'm challenged in, in encouraging the idea that humor can bring unity. I mm. think about the di- different perspectives and the diversity of uh, cultures and backgrounds and ethnicities in our world. What a gift and a treat that is. But maybe this week and in the coming future, you listening right now could could invite someone to your table, someone of a different perspective, a different b- background. You could break bread and, and laugh together and maybe use that as a force of uniting and unifying our world. We know we need it as followers of Jesus. It's what we're called to do, bringing the kingdom to earth. And as uh, we talked about today. It's something that Jesus did on this earth. So invite someone to your table. Until next time, thanks for joining us.